Happy Friday, everybody. It is Friday, April 14th, 2023. This is the Second Half Podcast. I'm Tom Powell, and if you're listening to this, as always, that means you made it through another week and margaritas are in order. This is the part of each episode where I give you a reason why you should get margaritas, and this week's reason is because we are now up against the tax filing deadline. So you're going to need a drink. As you know, tax day is April 15th, which would technically be tomorrow, Saturday, April 15th. But because it falls on a Saturday, uh, the deadline has been extended to Tuesday. So you got a couple more days, but that's it. If you haven't started doing your taxes yet, uh, you're all out of later. You need to get on that shit and get it handled now. So, get yourself a pitcher of margaritas, because you're going to fucking need it this weekend. You guys might notice a difference in the sound on this podcast. I'm trying something different this week. This is not going to be a permanent fix by any stretch of the imagination, but I am recording directly on my phone through my earbuds. So, we're going to see how this works. I want you guys, a lot of you guys, went ahead and sent me messages last week to let me know that it still sounded like a tin can. Send me messages this week and let me know what this one sounds like uh, on your end. I am looking for new podcast equipment to be able to get a better sound, uh, but for this week I'm just going to do it on the earbuds to hopefully get a better sound for at least one podcast. Uh, Before we get into what we're going to talk about this week, as always, let me get some housekeeping done. Uh, The housekeeping is uh, primarily for the people who are finding me for the very first time, the noobs, if you will, to the podcast. Uh, If you're finding me for the very first time, there's a couple of things that you need to know about this podcast. First, this is an amateur podcast. It's done in a home office. As you just heard, this uh, episode itself is being done with earbuds on an iPhone. Uh, So you're going to hear some background noise. You're going to hear things that you wouldn't normally hear on a quote-unquote professional podcast. And you just need to roll with that shit. you got to understand that I already don't give a fuck if you're offended by the fact that you heard my dogs bark. Or that I burped. Or that it wasn't a seamless transition from one segment to another. I don't fucking care. Okay? Uh, The second thing you need to know if you're finding me for the very first time is uh, my website. Because if you're just now finding me, chances are you haven't had a chance to get to that website. And that website's address is oldhippymedia.com. That's oldhippie, H-I-P-P-I-E. A lot of people think that there's a Y on the end of it. Not. Oldhippymedia.com. There you're going to find my blog, links on where you can follow me on all the various social media sites, a link on where you can buy my first two books available in paperback and ebook formats, a link to my merch, I have over 400 items to choose from, uh, a link on where you can book me on Cameo, uh, links on where you can get a hold of me, how you can send me something, and how you can support me. You will find a link to my Patreon, but I have suspended my Patreon for the time being. And I'm trying to figure out a way to retool my Patreon so there won't be any new Patreon 
podcast episodes for a while. If you want to go listen to the the uh, podcast episodes that are already up on Patreon, you can. You do have to subscribe to that. That's $4.20 a month, if you know, you know. Uh, but anyway, all of that, once again, can be found at my website, which is oldhippymedia.com. Now, I don't want to get too deep into all of that advertising shit because I got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. So I want to go ahead and move on and get into it. Um, first and foremost, as I've already mentioned, the tax de- uh, filing deadline is Tuesday. So you kind of need to get on that shit. Uh, the IRS is not going to be fucking around with you. They're not going to be uh, extending you. Th- those days are long past. Uh, now they want their fucking money. I wish my accountant would get his fucking head out of his ass and actually get our fucking taxes done. I met with him in early March. I was told that our taxes would be done by March 17th. I just got our company taxes back at the beginning of this week, and I still don't have our personal taxes. So, As soon as I get done recording this podcast, which I normally record on Thursdays, but this one I am actually recording on Friday morning. As soon as I get done with this podcast episode and I get it uploaded, that's going to be the first phone call I make to my accountant to ask him where the fuck my tax return is. We're anticipating a rather large tax bill this year. We, we cashed out one of our funds to be able to jump in and buy a, another truck for our trucking company, and uh, they didn't take nearly enough taxes out, so we are expecting anywhere between twenty and $30,000 for a tax bill this year. And I'd kind of like to know what the fuck that bill is. You know what I mean? So, we'll see. Uh, but that's not why you guys tune into this podcast. You guys tune into this podcast to hear me talk about uh, podcasts, or uh, politics, I'm sorry, pr- uh, predominantly. So, uh, we're going uh, to do some stories first about various legislators. And uh, the things that they've been busy doing on various uh, levels of government in our in our, our country, and then we're going to move on to the judiciary and talk about what the judiciary has been doing and some cases that have been uh, going on in the judiciary. Uh, but we're going to start first with the legislators, and this week we're going to start in Missouri, where a Missouri state elected official is on tape advocating for marrying 12-year-olds. You want to take a guess as to what party he's part of? I now read to you from the Kansas City Star. A Missouri Republican state senator this week suggested that children as young as 12 should be able to get married as he pushes legislation that would ban gender-affirming care for minors. Quote, Do you know any kids who have been married at age 12? I do. And guess what? They're still married, said State Senator Mike Moon, an Ash Grove Republican. He said that on Tuesday in response to questioning by State Representative Peter Meredith, a St. Louis Democrat. Moon made the comment during testimony in the House General Laws Committee over his bill that would ban, quote, all gender transition procedures for people under 18, which passed the Missouri Senate last month. Moon has attempted to frame his legislation as a way to protect kids 
as LBG, LGBTQ rights advocates call the bill an attack on the transgender community. The Republican state senator has been lambasted on social media for his comment, with many pointing out the inconsistency between his views on child marriage and his legislation targeting transgender kids. Quote, The fact that Missouri Senator Mike Moon said that 12-year-olds can be married off to adults just sickens me. Jess Piper, executive director of Blue Missouri, a group that fundraises for Democrats, wrote on Twitter. My daughter is nearly 11 and still plays with Barbies and her baby dolls. We are living in a hellscape in Missouri under GOP supermajority, she said. Missouri, in 2018, passed a law setting the state's minimum marriage age at 16 with the approval of one parent or guardian. The law's passage came after the Star revealed that Missouri had the nation's most lenient marriage law for 15-year-olds. It previously allowed children even younger to marry with the judge's approval. Activists have argued that Missouri law still doesn't go far enough, leaving thousands of 16- and 17-year-olds open to the kind of abuse, poverty, helplessness, lack of education, and exploitation that often accompanies child marriage. Moon, a hard-right member of the state Senate, known for his extreme views and comments, voted against the marriage bill when he was a member of the House. Meredith, on Tuesday, had pointed out Moon's vote against the marriage bill, saying it was inconsistent with his claim of protecting kids through legislation that would ban gender-affirming care. Now, if you follow me on TikTok, you've seen a video of this gentleman saying that. And I've got to say, if you give a fuck about protecting kids, you wouldn't advocate for adults having the ability to marry 12-year-olds. And I don't give a fuck that it has to come with a parent's approval, a parent's okay. 12-year-olds. 12. My son is 11. He will be 12 in December. He is nowhere near mature enough to make such a decision. Can you imagine how shitty of a parent you have to be in order to give permission for your 12-year-old daughter to marry an adult man? And can you imagine how much sicker you have to be to be an adult man that wants to marry a 12-year-old girl? How the fuck is that protecting kids? You're so worried about trans kids and members of the LGBTQ community that you're overlooking the fact that 12-year-olds are getting married? No, sorry, overlooking is the wrong word. You're endorsing it. You're supporting it. I doubt that state legislator Moon listens to my podcast, but if he does, or if there's anybody in his inner circle that does, please get this to him because I have a message to him. You are a pedophile sick fuck. You have no business being in any elected office on any level in any state or nation on this fucking planet. And the world is only going to benefit when you eventually take your last breath, you sick motherfucker. 
You think pointing out that kids who got married off at the age of 12 being still married is a fucking flex? Those kids' entire lives have been controlled by some adult sick fuck. (laughs) Motherfucker, hang on. I I don't even know what to fucking say to this shit. I'm so fucking... Ever since I saw that fucking video, I've been fuming about it. I'm thinking about my daughters at the age of 12. And some 22, 23, 24, 25-year-old. And that's being kind. Some of these fucks are in their 30s. Wanting to marry uh, one of them. Oh, what? No, no, just give your permission. She'll be fine. Fuck you. If you don't think there's anything wrong with an adult marrying a 12-year-old, you're a sick pedophile fuck. And at a minimum, you should be chemically castrated. At a minimum. But that's the modern Republican Party for you. They want to make sure that those fetuses turn into babies so that they can marry them. And when I say that that's the modern Republican Party for you, I mean that's the modern Republican Party for you. Case in point, our next story. A former Republican candidate in North Dakota has been sentenced to 10 years for incest with his stepdaughter. No, you didn't hear that incorrectly. A former Republican candidate from North Dakota has been sentenced to 10 years for incest with his stepdaughter. I now read to you from the Dakota News Now. Disgraced former South Dakota State Senate candidate Joel Koskin has been sentenced to 10 years in state prison on two charges of incest. Judge Margot Northup, a Sixth Circuit Court judge, opted to sentence Koskin to the maximum sentence and to pay roughly $20,000 in fines during a sentencing hearing Tuesday at the Hughes County Courthouse. The charges Koskin pled guilty to stem from crimes committed at his residence. Quote, he acted like a jealous lover more than a father, Northup said. Quote, he took advantage of a child that viewed him as a father, they said. But Koskin's need for control didn't end once the investigation began. Immediately after Koskin find out, found out, my apologies, that the victim had reported his crimes to the Spink County Sheriff's Office, Koskin sought to pressure the victim to back off the allegations against him. Shortly after the victim approached police for the first time, Koskin reported the vehicle, uh, victim's vehicle as stolen to the police. As a result, the victim struggled with mental health issues, having intermittent panic attacks, most specifically when speaking with law enforcement and prosecutors. Quote, she would not be in the position she is if not for the defendant's actions, said Brent Kempema, a deputy attorney general who represented the prosecution. Koskin's family also pressured the victim victim to not cooperate with law enforcement. According to the prosecution, family members of Koskin's sent the victim a news article detailing how a former South Dakota lawmaker had rape charges dismissed against him because the victim chose not to cooperate in the investigation. Quote, the defendant's gamble didn't pay off. He gambled she would fold and she didn't, Kempena said in his closing remarks. 
quote, he needs to pay for his failed gamble. Koskin apologized to the victim during Tuesday's proceedings. Koskin, a resident of Wood, had been an active and involved member of the community for years. In addition to helping run his family's farm, Koskin at one point served as a firefighter, a firefighter and on the local school board. Remember when I told you to watch who was running for your school board positions? I fucking meant it. Quote, as far as public images, he had a pristine image, North upset of Koskin. But Koskin's life and personality at home were far different. A self-admitted porn addict, Koskin, quote, controlled every aspect of the victim's life, end quote, putting cameras in their room and tracking their location into adulthood. Koskin and his attorney, Clint Sargent of Sioux Falls, had initially reached a highly criticized plea agreement with the state that would not have required Koskin to serve any prison time, excuse me, nor register as a sex offender. The judge rejected that plea agreement last month. Now Koskin will have to both serve time in prison and register as a sex offender upon re-entering society. I got to be honest with you. If you sexually abuse your own stepdaughter, mentally abuse your own stepdaughter, try to intimidate your uh, stepdaughter, and uh, try to lie your way out of all of it, 10 years and $20,000 in fines is not enough. It's just not. Now, once the inmates in that prison learn why he's in there, chances are that's going to be a real, real tough 10 years for him to serve. But 10 years is not nearly long enough for that crime. Keep in mind, this is the party that calls every single person on the left that they disagree with a pedo. Joe Biden's a pedo. This one's a pedo. That one's a pedo. Bill Clinton was a pedo. You're a pedo. He's a pedo. They're a pedo. Every fucking person they disagree with is a pedo. Yet, they're the ones fucking little kids. They're the ones advocating to marry little kids. The Republican Party in the United States of America in 2023 is the American version of the Taliban. Period. Now from the perverse side of the Republican Party, I'd like to now move to the realm of Republican self-ownage with this story. Texas Republicans stand against raising teachers' pay but when they try to make it seem like Dems don't think teachers are worth the money in a moment where they actually negotiate against themselves, things go badly for them. I'm going to read to you now from KTM uh, News Radio. You might have seen me do a video on this on TikTok as well. It sucks when you think you have a big dunk on someone and absolutely fail. That's what happened to Representative Jared Patterson, who represents District 106 in our state. It's sort of the Northwest Corridor of Frisco. A big topic in a recent uh, uh, session 
was a raise for Texas teachers. Apparently, Texas is having a hard time keeping teachers, and one of the reasons is they have some of the lowest pay in the country. I bet that's not the only fucking reason they have a hard time keeping teachers. One bill recently proposed would give the teachers a pay raise based on their experience. KXAN has a great breakdown on what that would mean for different teachers in Texas, but the more experience and more certifications, the higher your pay would be. Well, it looks like State Representative Trey Martinez-Fisher wants to give teachers a flat $10,000 raise. So, Representative Jared Patterson attempted to dunk on Representative Martinez. See, earlier in the session, they were trying to push for a $15,000 raise. But Fisher came to the table with a bill for a $10,000 raise. So Jared Patterson said, quote, earlier this session, there was a press conference talking about a $15,000 pay raise for Texas teachers, and your amendment has a $10,000 pay raise for teachers. Are you saying teachers are not worth that extra $5,000? Representative Martinez said he lowered uh, the uh, pay raise in hopes that Republicans would sign the bill, but he is willing to go for the extra five if both of them are willing to sign it. You should see the uh, the video of this. If you have a chance, get to my TikTok and see this video. So uh, Patterson said, you guys don't think that the teachers are worth the extra $5,000? Uh, Martinez, uh, Martinez Fisher said, yeah, we do. We, we brought it down so that we could get you guys on board. But if you want to go for the fifteen, I'm more than happy. I'll sign it. Will you? And then Patterson, or I'm sorry, yeah, Patterson, uh, thinking he had... Uh, Martinez Fisher, in some kind of a gotcha moment, said, well, if it's 15, what about 30? Would you go for $30,000 raise? At which point in time, Martinez Fisher said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then Fisher said, uh, Patterson said, well, what about 40000 <clears throat> At which point in time, Fisher uh, Martinez Fisher said, yes, if you'll sign it, we'll go for that. I'll delay this amendment you tell me how much time you need to get your votes together, and we'll amend the amendment to save $40,000 per your request. You ready to do this? It was at that point in time that Patterson realized he was negotiating against himself. And he looked at Martinez Fisher and said, Nah, we'll just vote the bill down. What happened in the end? Republicans voted the $10,000 raise down. So all of that blustering about, oh, you don't think that the teachers are worth an extra five grand, and how about 30000 how about 40000 was all showboating bullshit because they wouldn't even approve the $10,000 raise. So, Representative Jared Patterson, you asked Representative Martinez Fisher if he didn't think the teachers were worth the extra 5000 Does this mean you don't think the teachers are worth the ten? If you're going to attempt a gotcha moment, you got to be smarter than your opponent, you dumb fuck. You literally negotiated against yourself in an attempted gotcha moment and then let the entire world see just how full of shit you are. Nobody owns themselves quite like a Republican. From the uh, area of Republican self-owns, though, 
I'd like to move on to the arena of Republican stupidity. Arena of stupidity, by the way, was the name of my Journey cover band in 89, but I digress. An Idaho state rep doesn't know that swallowing something won't end up in your vagina. And I got to tell you, I am positively baffled by this motherfucker. Baffled. I'm going to now read to you briefly from The Guardian. An Idaho lawmaker received a brief lesson on female anatomy after asking if a woman can swallow a small camera for doctors to conduct and remove, uh, uh, not sorry, conduct a remote gynecological, uh, gynecological exam. The question on Monday from Republican State Representative Vito Barbieri, I hope I'm saying that word right. I never want to uh, uh, butcher anybody's last name, but I think it's Vito Barbieri came as the House State Affairs Committee heard nearly three hours of testimony on a bill that would ban doctors from prescribing abortion-inducing medication through telemedicine. Dr. Julie Madsen was testifying in opposition to the bill when Barbieri asked the question, and Madison replied that would be impossible because swallowed pills do not end up in the vagina. Barbieri asked a question about um, colonoscopies being done by swallowing something. And the person being questioned, Dr. Julie Madsen, discussed this uh, process of a colonoscopy, something that uh, they actually offered my father when he was still alive. Instead of having to go through the entire process of being uh, um, uh, cleaned out, cleansed, prepped, knocked out, and and then uh, have a team go up in your asshole to take a look around, you can swallow a camera, which goes through your system, and doctors remotely can uh, look at the footage of the camera and, and determine what's going on inside your colon. You know, I, I, now, I, I think I stand corrected here. I think you do still have to do the prep work and clear out. R- regardless. As the doctor was talking about this remote camera colonoscopy procedure, Barbieri asked if the same thing could be done for gynecological, I don't know why the fuck I have such a hard time with that word, uh, exams. Can a woman swallow something and a doctor can just give her an exam remotely? Dude, if you could swallow something and it wound up in your vagina, a whole bunch of blowjobs would have turned into pregnancies. You know what I mean? How the fuck is anybody that fucking stupid? This is a guy who probably watches porn and hears women talking about having their guts rearranged by somebody with a massive cock and thinks that that's fucking real. So when the doctor replied to him that that would be impossible because swallowed pills would not end up in the vagina, his response? Fascinating. That makes sense. And then the crowd erupted with laughter the crowd that was listening uh, to this particular session 
I, listen, <laughs> you'll have to forgive me for being as crass as I am, but if you don't understand that swallowing something would not mean it ended up in a woman's vagina, you have zero fucking business making legislation about other people's body. You have zero business making legislation about other people's body to begin with, but this motherfucker really has no business. How the fuck do you not know that? How the fuck do you not know that? I am a dumb fuck high school dropout, and I know that. I bet you 10 bucks that if my 11-year-old son walked into this room right now and I asked him the same question, he'd be like, no, that's fucking stupid. (coughs) I swear to God, these motherfuckers are going to make me start drinking. And I don't even like drinking. Good thing I have access to the herb. Do you know? Do you know? You know what I'm talking about. Okay. Let's move on now to the courts. We need to discuss the judiciary in this country and some issues that we have within. We need to discuss how certain cases and rulings are being dealt with. First, we're going to start with a judge that rules that the case against Rittenhouse can move forward. And Rittenhouse is crying his eyes out about it, and I'm here for every fucking minute of it. From NBC News, a federal judge in Wisconsin ruled Wednesday that a wrongful death lawsuit filed by the father of a man shot and killed by Kyle Rittenhouse during a protest in 2020 can proceed against Rittenhouse, police officers, and others. The father of Anthony Huber, one of the two men shot and killed by Rittenhouse, filed the lawsuit in 2021, accusing officers of allowing for a dangerous situation that violated his son's constitutional rights and resulted in his death. Anthony Huber's father, John Huber, also alleged that Rittenhouse, who was 17 at the time of the shootings, conspired with law enforcement to cause harm to protesters. John Huber is seeking unspecified damages from city officials, officers, and Rittenhouse himself. U.S. District Judge Lynn Adelman on Wednesday dismissed motions filed by Rittenhouse and the government defendants seeking to dismiss the civil rights case uh, lawsuit. In allowing the case against Rittenhouse and the others to proceed, the judge said that Anthony Huber's death, quote, could plausibly be regarded as having been proximately caused by the actions of the government, uh, governmental defendants, end quote. Rittenhouse attorney Shane Martin said in a phone interview that it's important to note the ruling doesn't address the merits of the case. It only allows it to proceed to the next phase. Quote, While we respect the judge's decision, we do not believe that there is any evidence of a conspiracy, and we were confident, just as a Kenosha jury found, Kyle's actions that evening were not wrongful and were undertaken in self-defense. Attorneys and private investigators for John Huber spent over 100 hours trying to locate Rittenhouse, tracking down addresses in seven states before they found the home of his mother and sister in Florida. The lawsuit was served on Rittenhouse's sister, who said that he wasn't home. Adelman said that was sufficient to qualify as being served. Rittenhouse argued that the case against him should be dismissed because he wasn't properly served with the lawsuit. Adelman dismissed that, saying that Rittenhouse 
quote, is almost certainly evading service. Quote, Rittenhouse has been deliberately cagey about his whereabouts, Adelman wrote. Although he denies living in Florida, he does not identify the place that he deems to be his residence, end quote. So uh, what did Kyle Rittenhouse say when he tearfully and woefully uh, cried about this whole thing being able to be moved forward? He said, well, if they can do this to me, a 20-year-old kid who's broke, who's basically a, a broke college student, then they can do this to anyone. Yeah, motherfucker. Anyone that goes out and murders somebody else can have a civil lawsuit brought against them. And your ass may have been found innocent in a court of law for murder, but in the court of public opinion, you're a murdering sack of dog shit. And the burden of proof in civil lawsuits is much lower, which means you're probably going to lose this case and be indebted to these motherfuckers for the rest of your miserable fucking life. And I, for one, love that fact. I also find it ironic that you refer to yourself as a 20-year-old kid. When you were 17, you thought you were man enough to go hunt people you didn't like. Now all of a sudden you're a kid? Sorry, Junior. That's not how this shit works. If you're man enough to grab your boomstick and go play cosplatriot out in the fucking streets, killing a couple of people in the process, then you're man enough to deal with the circumstances of your actions. You're man enough to deal with the consequences of what you did. Sit the fuck down, shut the fuck up, take your fucking medicine, and live the rest of your miserable fucking life in debt, you murderous Nazi piece of shit cocksucker. That's how I feel about that. God damn, do I hate that motherfucker. Him and George Zimmerman, I can't fucking wait for one of these motherfuckers to cross the wrong motherfucker. Because you know it's going to happen. These gun-toting Nazi motherfuckers can't help themselves. And sooner or later, they're going to cross the wrong motherfucker. And I'm going to be there to eat it up with a fucking spoon. Now let's move on to Texas, shall we? Where a judge thinks he has the power to overrule FDA approvals. Who, who the fuck do these people think they are? And I'll read to you from the Texas Tribune. <clears throat> in a potentially devastating blow for abortion access nationwide, nationwide, a federal judge in Amarillo, Texas, has suspended the approval of... God, I'm going to fuck this. I know how to say this name and I always fuck it up. Mephepristone, I hope that's the way you say it, an abortion-inducing drug that has been on the market for more than 20 years. U.S. District Judge Matthew Kaczmarek ruled that uh, the FDA uh, did not have the right to approve this drug, and his ruling was scheduled to go into effect in seven days. Now, 
the court does not second-guess FDA's decision-making lightly, Kaczmarek wrote in the ruling, but here FDA acquiesced on the legitimate safety concerns in violation of its sta- uh, statutory duty based on plainly unsound reasoning and studies that did not support its conclusion. Kaczmarek wrote that the FDA succumbed to political pressure when it approved Mifepristone, and I know I'm saying that wrong, more than 20 years ago, and subsequently lifted restrictions on the medication over the ensuing two decades, arguing that, quote, the lack of restrictions resulted in many deaths and many more severe or life-threatening adverse reactions, end quote. How the fuck are you going to step in 20 years later and say the FDA should have never approved this fucking drug. And who the fuck are you to question the FDA's expertise on approving or denying medication? Medical abortion, medication abortion is the most common way Americans terminate their pregnancies. Mifepristone, when taken alongside misoprostol, has been proven to be safe and effective and is recommended by the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and the World Health Organization. But you know what? One random judge in Texas knows better than all of these medical professionals. Quote, this is the first time a judge has unilaterally, against the FDA's objections, removed a drug from the market, said Greer Donnelly, a University of Pittsburgh law professor who studies FDA law. Quote, a judge who has no scientific expertise overruling the agency that has a ton of scientific experts, he said. Kazmierik has deep ties to the anti-abortion movement. Shocker! And the language in the 67-page ruling released at 5.30 p.m. last Friday reflects those ties, calling abortion providers, quote, abortionists, and describing the use of Mifepristone as killing or starving an unborn human until death. Kaczmarek also resurfaced an 1800s law that prohibits the mailing of anything related to an abortion, which could have much wider effects than this one lawsuit. Quote, it is undisputable, I'm sorry, it is indisputable that chemical abortion drugs are both drugs and are for producing abortion, Kazmarek wrote. Therefore, federal criminal law declares they are non-mailable. Almost simultaneously, a federal judge in Washington issued a potentially conflicting ruling that blocks the FDA from, quote, altering the status quo as it relates to Mifepristone. <coughs> Excuse me. This federal court conflict will likely move the dispute before the U.S. Supreme Court before long. This ruling will not change the legality of abortion in Texas, where the procedure has been virtually banned since the overturning of Roe v. Wade in late June. But it will further limit out-of-state options and may have ripple effects for those seeking the medication illicitly. Eric Baptist, senior counsel for the Alliance Defending Freedom, the conservative law firm that brought the lawsuit, called Friday's ruling a significant victory. Quote, the FDA put women and girls in harm's way 
and it's high time the agency is held accountable for its reckless actions. The FDA never had the authority to prove these hazardous drugs and remove important safeguards. Yes, they did! The fact that a judge in Texas thinks that it can overrule the FDA approval process is fucking mind-blowing. But here's the problem that we have, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to make its way all the way to the Supreme Court, and it's going to do so in very short order. And what is the Supreme Court going to rule? Well, it's a 6-3 anti-abortion Supreme Court. How the fuck do you think they're going to rule? Before this is all said and done with, Mifepristone will not be allowed to be mailed to anybody in this country. This is why they constructed the Supreme Court the way they did. This is why they've been working for 50 years to reshape the Supreme Court so that they can get these cases upheld by a conservative Supreme Court. We're going to touch more on the Supreme Court here in just a minute. But you know if we're talking about court cases, there's going to be a Trump story in there. And this week it's because Trump is suing uh, his former lawyer, uh, Michael Cohen, for $500 million. And this one's a doozy, folks. I now read to you from Reuters. In a complaint filed in federal court in Miami, Trump accused Cohen of failing to keep confidential attorney-client communications private and profiting by, quote, spreading falsehoods, end quote, about him in books and podcasts. Lanny Davis, a lawyer for Cohen, called Trump's lawsuit frivolous. Trump often, over the years, has filed suits against various adversaries. Quote, Mr. Trump is once again using and abusing the judicial system as a form of harassment and intimidation against Michael Cohen, Davis said. The lawsuit comes as Cohen, who once said he would do anything to protect Trump, appears poised to become a star witness against him at a possible criminal trial in New York on the charges unsealed last week. Trump, who was running for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination, pleaded not guilty to 34 counts of falsifying business record. It marked the first time a former U.S. president was charged with a crime. Trump's lawsuit said Cohn wrongfully called Trump racist in, his, uh, in the disbarred lawyer's 2020 book entitled Disloyal and fabricated conversations with Trump from when he served as his attorney. Quote, the timing of Disloyal's release just prior to the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election suggests that Cohen intended to improperly disclose Trump's confidences when it would be the most lucrative to do so, and while Disloyal would be sure to have the most damaging reputational effect, the lawsuit said. Here's the part that Trump doesn't understand. You know, he can argue that Michael Cohen calling him racist and, and and describing him in bad ways is is slander and it's and it's false and it's lies. We all know Trump's a racist piece of shit. He has an entire lifetime's worth of history being a racist. But that's not the most fascinating part of this whole thing. The most fascinating part of this whole thing is that excuse me. Trump is arguing that Cohen broke attorney client privilege. 
Well, what Cohen said was what Trump told him to do in regards to the Stormy Daniels case. You know, pay off the porn star, give her cash. I don't know if you guys remember uh, when he was trying to pay off the other uh, woman that he had an affair with. He told Cohen to pay her with cash. And then Cohen said, no, you got to, you know, you got to give her a a check so that we've got a record of it, blah, blah, blah. Trump is going to have to walk into a courtroom and argue that Michael Cohen illegally disclosed that Trump did, in fact, tell him to pay off a porn star. That's what he's arguing, boys and girls. Cohen said, well, I paid off the porn star that he had an affair with at his directive. And Trump is saying, you can't say that. That's attorney-client privilege. I told you that in confidence. What the dumb fuck doesn't understand is, with this $500 million lawsuit that he is going to lose, he is admitting that he told Cohen to do what Cohen has told prosecutors Trump told him to do. In other words, Trump is helping the criminal case against him in New York. That's how fucking stupid this motherfucker is. And what kind of a lawyer would take such a case on? I know who it is. It's his new lawyer, uh, Tapioca, or whatever the fuck his name is. But my God, you want to talk about ruining your reputation. Tapioca's reputation is going to go right down the fucking drain with Cohen and Trump's. While, While Trump argues in a court of law in Miami that he actually did tell Cohen all of the things that Cohen told prosecutors. That's the only way he can argue that Cohen broke attorney-client privilege is by saying, well, yeah, he told you guys all of that shit that I told him, but he shouldn't have ever told you that. Well, wait a minute. You're telling me that he actually told, you actually told him to pay off the porn star? Well, this motherfucker is so dumb he doesn't realize he just admitted to the crime he's been charged with in New York. (coughs) Sorry the underlying crime for which he's been charged with other crimes. The crimes he's been charged with in New York is actually falsifying business records surrounding the payoff. But he says the payoff never happened. Excuse me. (coughs) Still dealing with a little upper respiratory something. Anyway, watch this space for that lawsuit to carry on. It's going to be a glorious loss for Trump and in his home state of Florida, too. It is going to be fucking magnificent to watch. Moving on, uh, we have another case to discuss, and that would be that Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg has now filed a lawsuit against Republican Congressman Jim Jordan. From NPR. The New York prosecutor who is pursuing criminal charges against former President Donald Trump says a Republican-led congressional committee is trying to interfere with his case. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg alleges, quote, an unconstitutional attempt to undermine his investigation and is suing Jim Jordan, the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Judiciary Committee, for what he says are Jordan's attempts to influence an active New York state prosecution. Bragg says Jordan has launched a campaign to intimidate and attack him and that Jordan is demanding confidential documents that are highly sensitive and belong to local prosecutors. In the filing, he says it goes against Supreme Court precedents for Jordan, 
a member of Congress, to demand those documents. <clears throat> the House Judiciary Committee and Bragg have been sparring since it became clear that Trump would be indicted. In recent weeks, before the former president was indicted, Jordan and two other Republican House Committee chairmen sent a letter to Bragg asking for documents and testimony related to the Trump investigation. <clears throat> The members called Bragg's investigation politically motivated and an abuse of power. Bragg's office responded with a letter defending its work and said that Congress doesn't have oversight of state prosecutors, which it doesn't. The letter said the information Jordan was asking for at the time was confidential and about a pending criminal investigation. (coughs) My apologies, guys. Then Trump's unprecedented indictment came. Bragg's office charged the former president for the first time. Trump pleaded not guilty. Two days after Trump's arraignment in New York, Jordan and the House uh, Committee subpoenaed a former attorney in Bragg's office, Mark Pomerantz, who wrote a book that was critical of some of Bragg's legal judgments. Now, with uh, with this lawsuit, Bragg is hitting back at the committee, suing to block Pomerantz from testifying. He said, Congress has no power to investigate local prosecutors, and that the subpoena violates state sovereignty and is politically motivated. In the lawsuit against Jordan, Bragg says he wants the court to invalidate the subpoena issued uh, to Pomerantz and is also asking the court to prevent any future subpoenas on him or any of his current or former employees. Jordan responded to the lawsuit in a tweet saying that Trump was indicted for no crime, and that Bragg is trying to block congressional oversight. Here's the problem that um, Jim Jordan has. Jim Jordan is part of the federal government. Bragg is not. He's part of a state-level government. And the congressional uh, uh, members do not have oversight over state prosecutors. You can't just tell a state prosecutor, you can't fucking do that. Give me all the information you're going to charge him with. Give me all the evidence that you have. I want to see it all because I don't think that it's a real charge. You can't do that. You have no jurisdiction. I don't know who Jim Jordan thinks that he is, but he doesn't have jurisdiction over any state or city level official. Never has, never will. So Jim Jordan asking Bragg's office for a fucking thing is a joke, and Bragg isn't playing. Jim Jordan's going to find out real fucking quick just what kind of powers he does and does not have. And I can't wait for that motherfucker to hit the find out phase of his game. Let's move on to Arizona now, where the Arizona Supreme Court says that the church can refuse to answer questions or turn over over documents to the state. I'm now going to read to you from AP News. The Arizona Supreme Court has ruled that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints can refuse to answer questions or turn over documents under state law that exempts religious officials from having to report child sex abuse if they learn of the crime during a confessional setting. The ruling was issued April 7th, but not released to the public until this past Tuesday. A lawsuit filed by child sex victims accuses the church, widely known as the Mormon Church, two of its bishops, 
and other church members of conspiracy and negligence in not reporting church member Paul Adams for abusing his older daughter as early as 2010. This negligence, the lawsuit argues, allowed Adams to continue abusing the girl for as many as seven years. Lynn Cadigan, an attorney for Adam for the Adams children who filed the lawsuit, criticized the court's ruling. Quote, unfortunately, this ruling expands the clergy privilege beyond what the legislature intended by allowing churches to conceal crimes against children, she said. In a statement, the church concurred with the court's uh, action, saying, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints agrees with the Arizona Supreme Court's decision. We are deeply saddened by the abuse these children suffered. The church has no tolerance of abuse of any kind. <clears throat> Sorry, I I got I, I got to take a step back for a minute. How the fuck do we live in a country where? Clergy members don't have to reveal sexual abuse of children. That, that's what they're arguing to protect. They're arguing to protect child rapists. And the Arizona Supreme Court said they can. The Arizona Supreme Court said... They can continue to protect child rapists. It it makes me want to vomit. It makes me physically ill. I I don't even know what to say to this story. I, I I'm I'm literally stunned and and borderline speechless at the fact that that a state supreme court would rule that a church can continue to cover up sexual abuse. We are regressing as a nation. We're regressing. We're going backwards. We are allowing people to marry children abuse children, torture children, and then get away with it. We are we are we are losing ourselves as a nation. If you'll forgive me, I need to go take care of something real quick and I'll be right back with our last segment. Sorry, folks, for that uh, brief delay. It might have uh, just sound like a, a, a quick 
cutaway to you guys, but uh, I, I literally went and threw up. No, I'm not sick. The thought of some of these stories, I literally went and threw up at, at that last story. I can't believe we're living in a country like this. I can't believe we're living in a country where this is allowed to happen. But I'm back. Sorry for that. And uh, this last story that I want to talk about has to do with the judiciary as well. And that is this. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas is compromised and needs to step down as soon as humanly possible and needs to be charged with the crimes that he's committed. I'm going to read to you now from USA Today. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas has accepted uh, luxurious gifts from a prominent Republican donor for more than 20 years without disclosing them, violating a law that requires justices, judges, and members of Congress to disclose most gifts, according to a news report released this week. ProPublica reported Thursday on a series of lavish trips Thomas has taken over more than two decades, which have been funded by billionaire and GOP mega-donor Harlan Crow. This investigation comes as the nation's high court fends off requests for a code of ethics, which would likely address similar instances. The disclosures are the uh, latest ethics controversy to dog Justice Thomas, who also has faced tough questions about his incomplete financial disclosure forms and appearances at other political gatherings of wealthy conservative donors and influencers. His wife, Virginia Ginny Thomas, also has come under scrutiny for her back-channel efforts to help former President Donald Trump stay in power despite losing the 2020 presidential election. Thomas has accepted lavish gifts from the billionaire Dallas businessman nearly every year, which have included vacation on Crow's super yacht and trips on the billionaire's uh, jet, as well as a week each summer at Crow's private resort in the Adirondacks. ProPublica reported citing flight records, internal documents, and interviews with Crow's employees. The report report also found that flight records from the Federal Aviation Administration and Flight Aware suggest that Thomas makes regular use of Crow's jet, noting that Thomas used the private plane for a three-hour trip in 2016. Thomas's frequent trips to Crow's private lakeside resort Camp Topridge in the Adirondacks in upstate New York have also subjected Thomas to Crow's extensive guest list of corporate executives and political activists. <clears throat> Thomas vacationed with executives at Verizon and Pricewater Cooper House, Price Wa- Pricewaterhouse Cooper, major GOP donors, and a leader of the American Enterprise Institute during a July 2017 trip according to ProPublica. 
<clears throat> this is unbelievable. Actually, it's not unbelievable, but it is unbelievable. We've also learned that Clarence Thomas's mother's house was sold to a GOP super donor and Nazi memorabilia collector. Okay, he sold a house. Who gives a fuck? Well, a couple of things. You got to disclose that, and Thomas didn't disclose that. And oh, by the way, Thomas's mother still lives in the house. Thomas sold the house to a GOP mega donor and Nazi memorabilia collector for $133,000, and Thomas's mother still lives in the house. All of this is illegal. A massive conflict of interest and a violation the likes of which we haven't seen from a Supreme Court justice ever. And I do mean ever. The not disclosing of the trips and the not disclosing of the house in and of themselves are criminal. Okay, let me say that again. Criminal. He is criminally liable for those moves. And that just touches on the criminality of it, not the impropriety of it, not the, the, the bad image of it all. But here's the deal. Supreme Court justices have a lifetime appointment. The only way they can be removed from office is through impeachment. And that impeachment uh, uh, standard is every bit as rigorous and impossible to attain as a presidential impeachment. And, if you're not aware, there is zero code of ethics in place for Supreme Court justices. The Supreme Court of the United States currently does not operate under any set of ethical guidelines. There is no set of guidelines that has been put in place that say, if you violate this, you can be held responsible for the violation of it. They don't have ethics in the Supreme Court. They can literally do whatever the fuck they want within the limits of the law. So right now, Clarence Thomas is compromised in the eyes of the public opinion and needs to step down and he could possibly now face criminal charges for not disclosing any of this and there have now already been calls for indictments against him now he may not be able to be removed from his bench removed from his seat uh because of ethics violations but he can be criminally charged he absolutely can be criminally charged And the only person that could save him at that point in time is the judge of the case that's hearing uh, hearing his case or the, the sitting president if they decide to pardon him. And I don't think Joe Biden's about to pardon Clarence Thomas.
modern-day conservatives, modern-day Republicans in this country have absolutely zero moral high ground. They have zero moral compass. They don't give a fuck about what's right and wrong. They only fucking care about power. Clarence Thomas should have never been on the Supreme Court to begin with, and he definitely doesn't belong on the Supreme Court now. His wife is a traitor to this country that tried to overthrow the will of the people and install a dictator for the first time in the history of our country. Clarence Thomas himself has violated the law on numerous occasions over the course of the last 20 years. And something needs to be done about it. He needs to be indicted. And Congress needs to put a code of ethics in place for the Supreme Court. The fact that the highest court in the land operates without any ethical guidelines whatsoever is astonishing. These are lifetime appointed judges that don't have a code of ethics to work by. There isn't another fucking country on the planet that would be like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Let's just let these fucks have their jobs for life, uh, cement laws in our country that affect our, uh, our, our lives for the rest of their lives without having to have any ethical guidelines within which to work. Clarence Thomas is a fully compromised Supreme Court justice and needs to go immediately. As a matter of fact, there are four judges that need to go immediately. Clarence Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Thomas, for being highly compromised and having committed crimes for the last 20 years now. And the other three, because they all lied to Congress during their confirmation hearings about their position on abortion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an illegitimate Supreme Court. It's an illegitimate Supreme Court. And in my opinion, local governing bodies should defy any orders coming out of the Supreme Court. They hold no weight, in my opinion, whatsoever. It is a stolen Supreme Court with illegitimate members on it. And until these members are removed or have resigned or passed on, the Supreme Court does not hold legitimacy. And it's a goddamn shame that we've come to that point in our nation's history, where the highest court in the land can't be trusted. Chief Justice Roberts is going to be remembered forever as being the leader of an illegitimate court. His reputation will be soiled for eternity based on the makeup and composition of the court currently. And Clarence Thomas and his wife, Ginny, are literal traitors to this country. We're in dangerous times, folks. 
we have an illegitimate 6-3 conservative Supreme Court that is going to cement into place for a generation laws that are regressive and harmful to this country. This is why elections matter. This is why I don't want to hear but her emails. Had you fucks out there would have just bit the bullet and voted for Hillary in 2016, Roe would still be in place. It wouldn't have solved the Justice Thomas issue, but Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett wouldn't be on the court. But you just couldn't bring yourself to vote for Hillary. Oh, but her emails. But she's a lifetime this. Oh, but the. Now you see just what kind of consequences elections actually have. You should have voted for the tough bitch. We wouldn't be in this fucking position. Don't look at me. I voted for her. Now it's going to take a generation to fix this problem. Now, my daughters are going to be my age before they're able to put this Supreme Court back together. Because these motherfuckers are young. Not Thomas, but the other three. Young and have lifetime appointments. My children are going to be my age before they even sniff a chance to replace these fucking fascists. All because of her emails. All because, well, no, that's not the one we wanted. We wanted another candidate. I don't fucking care what you wanted. Because what you got is fascism out of the high court. These are the consequences that your actions at the ballot box take. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all I got for you this week. I am sickened and disgusted at the state of our nation right now. And I can't talk about any more of it. It's literally making me sick to my stomach. So I'm going to wrap this episode up before I get even more upset. Remember, if you can, check the website. Don't forget that the DNC National Convention is coming to Chicago in August of 2024. I am certainly going to do anything I can to get myself into that building for at least one of those nights. I hope to meet some of you there, if at all possible. And if you can, tune in next week for a brand new episode. Until then, as always, stay grateful.